Father, we, we give you glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, for you alone are worthy. And I ask, God, that you would touch hearts and minds, and that we would understand that this day should be celebrated every day. A new day, as your mercies are fresh and new every morning, so should the resurrected life that you give us. I ask, God, that you would touch lives, that you would move in signs and wonders, change people. Don't let that just be a sermon, but lives would be transformed for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. It's hard to keep a good person down. You ever know that? If they're good people, it's hard to, you know, you might hit them, attack them, but something, somehow, some way, they get back up. You ever, you ever notice that? They just don't quit. And, and when I see this, I, I see Jesus, the enemy tried to put him down, but he couldn't keep him down. And in this opening verse, Peter says real three things that I want to focus on. I see, because Christ, he's not suffered uh, from any attack, demonic attack. The thing that suffers the call and the work of Christ or God is doubters. Anybody have any doubters in their life? You know, we say haters or doubters. Jesus had haters, but doubters. And it said there in verse 23, if you notice, he said, You nail him to the cross by the hands of godless men who put him to death. Even though they put him to death, doubters could not keep him down. Other scriptures said he came to his own. He came to his own neighborhood, his homeboys, and yet his own received him not. He was doubted by his own brothers. What? It wasn't until after the, his death and resurrection, then they began to see his divinity. But before that, he was doubted. He was Jesus. You know, could you imagine Jesus' brother coming to him and trying to tell his brothers? It'd be like your brother telling you, hey, you know what, I'm... I know you didn't know this, but I'm the son of God. If my brother came to me and told me he was the son of God, I'd slap him. Right? Yeah, give me a break. So he was doubted, right? His own disciples began to doubt him. They questioned him. We know one betrayed him. Peter betrayed him. Oh, no, rather Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Again, like I said earlier, he went to his hometown to preach, his hometown. And they said, isn't that Joseph's son? He's preaching to us. And see, I think all of us could relate to that because the first time you received Christ, really received Christ, and you, and you knew you were saved, how'd you feel when you went home? You go home and you know something happened and, you, and you're like, what do I say? How do I say it? You're right, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it. You don't want them thinking like you're a holy roller. Then it finally comes out. You say, I'm saved. And your brother or your sister says, what are you saving? No, I'm saved. You're saved What? And because they know you, the doubt from your friends come up, the doubt from your family. Yeah, right. Like when, I, when I first got saved, the, nobody in the neighborhood believed, no way. I won't believe unless I see it. My friends, my best friends would come around me. He goes, I give you two weeks, and you'll be at my house. You'll be smoking dope, doing coke. You'll be running the gun again. I give you two weeks. Well, it's been 35 years. Yeah. 35 years. But they doubted. They said, oh, no, that can't happen. And, see, and, no, and you know, doubt affects the move of God. In fact, it affects the anointing so much that when doubt was present, Jesus would have the person with doubt removed. If you don't believe, you can split. You can leave because i got to take care of business. Because doubt is a, is a heavy adversary. Doubt. Huh? 
So at the crucifixion of our Lord, Jesus has died and is now buried in a borrowed tomb. His own disciples left him and hid themselves. They're running away. They're hiding. Right? All that left is the women's auxiliary, Mary and some girls. They were the only ones who had the guts to stick around. All the men ran and hid. Hello, ladies. That's a good time to say amen. In their minds, the disciples questioned the last three years of their lives. Think about that. He's dead. Why did we follow this guy? We fell for it. He pulled us in. Fearful, frustrated, and questioning what they've done. So they run and hide. See, the world is full of skeptics. People can doubt. I'm going to tell you this. You can sit in your chair right now and you can doubt. This morning, you may even question the resurrection. Yeah, yeah, where he did. One can question if Jesus is the Son of God. But whether you question or not, whether you doubt it or not, this man has got to tell you something on the way to heaven. Jesus is God. I don't need you to believe it. I know it. Huh? To all the doubters, I can say this. You can't keep a good man down. They try to put Jesus in the grave, but he's our Savior and he's our King. Not only doubt couldn't keep him down, but death. Huh? The doubters or, or, or death could not keep Jesus down. Verse 24 says, God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Now, I don't know about you, but I often think about dying. I, do, I sit in my room and I look in the mirror and I say, man, one of these days I'm going to die. And the older I get, the more, the more real it gets. Like, like my pastor, Pastor Sonny, he's 80. And I'm thinking, wow, what's going to happen when Pastor Sonny dies? And, he, and you could tell his sense of urgency. He wants to get things done. Why? Because you know death is imminent. You can't stop it. You can't slow it down. There's an appointment for, one, for, one, for a man to die. Death is imminent. So there's a fearful thing about death, right? And if somebody says, well, I'm not afraid to die. Yeah, you, right. In public, you want to act bad. But everybody has a little tinge of what's going to happen when I die? Huh? What's going to happen to my grandbaby. What's going to happen to everything? Right? We think about it. We're all going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Aren't we happy now? Hmm? James 4.14 reads, Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, unless Jesus comes back before our time on this earth, we're all going to die. See, Jesus didn't put an, an end to death. He took the agony or, or the stinger out of death. The sting. I love that example I used many years ago. And, and there was a, 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 a guy, he was in a, a truck. Not these big, fancy Cadillac trucks they have now on Ford F-150. Not those kind. Listen, oh, no. Good old-fashioned farmer truck. Right? He's in this truck. He's driving with his grandbaby. And a bee gets in the cab. Now, how many people are afraid of bees? A lot of people are. My son, Frank, has a good reason to be afraid of bees. He got attacked by a swarm. But that's different. But most people, you see, be, ah, right? Don't act like you're all bad. I ain't afraid of no bee. Right? Well, the bee got in the cab. And the baby's, ah, screaming and yelling. The grandpa's on the car. and sees the baby screaming and yelling. He sees that bee, and he grabs it. And he holds it. And the baby is screaming. And the grandpa said, don't worry about it. He opens his hand, takes out the dead bee. You don't have nothing to worry about. See, because look, I have the stinger. The bee can't hurt you no more. 
See, that's what God did. See, we're, we're stuck in the cab of our life, of this world, and he snatched death and took away the steam. It can't hurt you no more. It, it can't do you no harm. See, that's what the resurrection, that's what Easter's about. We die, but in Jesus Christ, it's just a transition from a temporal world to a permanent one. It's just change. Uh, Jesus put an end to death, to our physical, to our spiritual death. So it's Friday, and in Mark 15, 2 through 46, Jesus comes before Pilate. I love this story. The, San, the Sanhedrin lacked one thing that they couldn't do to Jesus. They couldn't kill him. They had no authority to execute him. And it was for this reason Jesus was now sent to the under guard to the fortress of Antonia to appear before Pilate. Pilate was a Roman uh, a soldier, the general in charge. So the Romans would come into a country and put a puppet uh, 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 political figure there and charge taxes. See, the, the Romans didn't really care about the land. They just wanted taxes. So everywhere they went, they, they, let, they let the people rule themselves. Jesus got to pay. Hmm? So he was in charge, but the, the, the Jews could not kill Jesus. So they take him there, and Luke tells that after the initial appearance before Pilate, Jesus was taken to Herod and to pass. Now, Pilate and Herod hated each other. Herod was technically the ruler of Galilee. Sending Jesus was a mere courtesy from Pilate to Herod. And Herod appreciated that courtesy. So what Pilate was doing, like most politicians do, he was making a political move. So look, here you go. And Herod liked it, and, and, and history reports that that move brought Pilate and Herod together politically. They began to, to heal the rift between the two. So Herod, knowing that the Jews wanted to kill him, I can't kill him, the Jews want to kill him, if they sent him back to Pilate. Only Pilate had the power of life and death. Each of the Gospels tells us how, how hard Pilate tried to avoid having Jesus crucified. He didn't want to condemn him. But to satisfy the crowd, again, politics. So I, I, I tell my wife, and I, my, my, my goal one day is to have a radio program on religion and politics. Because what do they always say? You never talk what? Religion and politics. And that's a lie. Because the very move that Jesus come to the earth was the greatest political move that ever hit the planet. And so the devil has convinced everybody, don't talk religion and don't talk politics. Well, I'm going to break that. I want to have a radio program. Religion and politics. But let's get back to the message. Huh? See, to satisfy the crowd, Pilate went against his own conscience, and he ordered the crucifixion of Jesus. Crucifixion was a method of execution that the Roman law ordained for the worst criminals. Not just for any, for the worst. It was so horrible that no Roman citizen could be executed in this way. They could be executed in other words, but they, no Roman could be hung on a cross. Why? Because crucifixion, you, didn't ne you never died from the crucifixion, the wounds that you encountered when you were placed on the, on the cross. No, no, no. The blood of the suspended victim was forced into the lower part of the body as they hung. So all the blood would drop down. The pulse rate of the heart would begin to increase because it lacked blood. And the heart would begin to pound. Boom, 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 boom. Trying to suck blood up off of gravity. Gravity would pug and there'd be a tug of war. And the agony between the heart pumping and trying to suck blood up and it falling to the ground would last days. The victim would stay on that cross for days. Eventually, 
The crucified person would die of a lack of blood circulating from the heart to the brain. That's the crucifixion. See, Jesus' death, you read it in Mark 15, 33 through 41. He hung on the cross from about 9 a.m. to noon. Not a long period of time. Then at noon, the terrible darkness blotted out the side of the sun. The Bible says it went completely dark. After three hours, at 3 p.m., Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A moment later, the work of redemption was done when Jesus cried and breathed his last. The Savior was dead. Uh -uh. See, that's what astounded the Romans. He was not supposed to die. He was supposed to stay there in agony. But not only did he die quickly, by the mercy of God, really, but the sky went dark. Hmm? So we pick up that story in Matthew 27, 50. And when Jesus had cried out again with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Notice, it never says he died. It says he gave it up. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with, with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Now you got to see the picture. And I've used this analogy, but I love it analogy. It might, might offend somebody, but since I got my gangster hat, I'm going to give it to you anyway. I got to put it on when I say it, just for this one, just for this. Michael Colioni takes over for the Godfather. You remember that? And what happened, Michael Colioni was now going to be the man in charge. And he had all these other families fighting him. But he, it was what I call a shift in power. And if you notice what happens, he goes out and while he's baptizing, becoming a godfather, remember that? He's baptizing, hamana, 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 hamana. Remember that, right? He's baptizing the baby in the water. All over the country, people are being taken out. Remember that? This, this, this leader, that leader, pow, 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 pow. And he's doing the baptism. What was happening, it was a shift in power. It was a power shift. Well, the same thing happened with Jesus. Jesus died, and the Bible says it went dark. And there was a power shift, because up to that point, the world was completely possessed. It was demon-possessed. There was demons all over the world. The enemy, Satan, ruled the world. And Jesus died, and he was shifting power from the devil to you. He shifted power. What happened? He had to let the whole universe know that there's a new sheriff in town. Wah, 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 wah. It was us, right? And so what happened? It said the night went black. The earth began to shake. The rocks split, telling the earth, nature, there's a new sheriff in town. And then to the religious folk, it goes to the temple, and the temple curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom, indicating that it wasn't man, because if man did it, they start at the bottom and work their way up. But God did it, and he worked, he ripped the temple from the top down. Wham! There was a power shift in heaven taking place. Right when he gave up the ghost, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. See, the devil thought he won. The devil didn't win. We won. Amen? I'm going to say it again. We won. 
So here's the religious folk trying, they didn't know what was happening. The guards were terrified. And it says they rolled the stone in front of the grave, right? Because they go, hey, we heard that these guys said they're gonna, they're, uh, he's going to rise again. And we don't want him to get out. So put a stone because we don't want him out. We want to lock him up, put him in solitary confinement. Imagine that, putting a dead person in solitary confinement. Had a guard in front of everything. They made it absolutely secure with a guard in place. In fact, when Mary came, the only problem, really the, the biggest obstacle she had, because she wanted to bury Jesus, was, how do I get to the body? There's guards, there's a stone, and he's inside there. Verse 62, let's, let's keep reading real quickly. On the next day, which was one after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, the, teacher, the deceiver said, after three days, I'm, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples come and steal him away and say to the people he is risen from the dead. And the last deception will be even worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, so go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. Huh? So what happened? They secured the power shift. Remember the ship. The power shift that we have, the power that we have, was so great. I like that part. Many times you, you miss it. It says that other dead people were raised with him. That's cool stuff right there. I mean, his life was so powerful. When he rose from the, the dead, the other dead said, well, where are we going? And rose with him. Huh? And they came, and it says that they roamed the city and began to preach about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. So we would think, well, you know, I don't believe in God, but if God raised a dead person, I would believe. Well, he did. He raised 300 at one time. He didn't just raise Jesus. He raised, saint, he raised saints of old. And if you look at history, if you read stories uh, from different historians that write about this episode, they write of this day. These things that happen that are unexplainable. And they mention them in historical books. So here's Mary with her problem was the stone and the things that they had secured it with. And so Mary didn't know that God was rolling away the stone with an earthquake, right? And he did it at night while the guards were terrified. Not at night, but when it went dark, they're terrified. They ain't cared about a stone. The, the, the earth is shaking. It's going dark. He's dying, right? And he, they roll, he rolls away the stone. And see, that's what God does. I don't care how dark it is in your life. Listen to me. God can roll away the stone of your trouble. He can do, he can, if he can do that, there is nothing impossible for him. See, I, I can tell you one thing. I don't know how he will do it. I don't know when he will do it. But I know if you're following him with all your heart and you're intent and you're in love with the Lord, he will do it. He'll do it. He'll change your circumstances. Your problem, and you, you may think it's immovable. You may think it's guarded by your own doubt, but God is greater than that. No matter how hard you try to keep your problem, and I think that's the biggest problem, people like their problems. It's my problem. It's like my little pet problem. Don't touch my problem. It's my problem. This, this problem makes everybody feel sorry for me. Don't take it away. Hello. That's another, let me get back over here. That's another message right there. See, when Jesus is Lord of your life, it's impossible to contain him. Jesus lives in you. You have the ability to remove any stone in your life. I've heard people say, but Pastor, I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me fix that sentence for you. Say, 
I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop. Because if Christ is in you, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Huh? Nothing. Say nothing. nothing. See, today we celebrate the resurrection. Amen? Amen. There, there ought to be things, happenings of joy and a song in our heart. Death or the tomb could not hold our Lord. A Christian mother said this once, and I'm moving along. He was, she was getting ready to die. She was very sick. And her son, his name was Dan, was, was leaving her because he had to go back to the East Coast. And he said, I'm going to be right back, but I got to go east. But she was near death. He had to go back on business. And she said, son, when you come back, if I'm not here, you know where to find me. See, we, we don't, we, we, you know how people say, well, you know, um, we lost brother so-and-so. He, he died and we lost sister so-and-so. And when you're a Christian, you never get lost. You just change addresses. Huh? I'm living on 777 Golden, Golden uh, Stone Lane. Huh? That's where I'm now. I'm, I, you know where I'm, you can find me. If you want to see me again, get right or get left. Hello, someone. See, the devil couldn't stop him either. The doubters couldn't stop him, and the devil couldn't stop him. Huh? I tell people this. If you're sincere, and I use this word sincere, you're really sincere. I didn't say perfect. I didn't say without fault. I said sincere. See, that's the one thing I had going for me when I first came to the Lord. I was not perfect. I was sharing in a life group. I was rude, raw. That was me. When I first came out, I was rude and raw. Best way to describe me, rude and raw. Didn't, didn't know I was rude. Just my mannerism and growing up, you know, I grew up in the ghetto of Northern, Northern California. You know, we're just us. I had to be taught. But God didn't look at my rudeness and how raw I was. He looked at my sincerity. I really wanted to be better. At that time, I didn't know how. And that was my thing. God, I want to be better. But these people keep, keep saying I'm, I'm raw. And I, I don't see me being raw. I'm just a guy from Dakota. Didn't, and my wife had to help me out. That's why my, my, I think God gave me my wife, because she was like, she was a square. She was like this, you know, from away. A square from North Oakland, and I was raw, and I did everything wrong. You can't do that. I, go, I can't do that. Why can't I do that? Because that, that, that people are going to look at you funny. I could look at me funny for that? And I didn't get it. So she had to educate me. But I, was lit, but I knew I wanted to change. God came into my life. Huh? My, my point is this, but I was sincere. I really wanted to change. That's what God wants from us, a sincerity that you really want to change. If you're here because you're just feeling sorry for yourself, that won't keep you. If you're here because the Pope is after you, believe me, they'll catch you. If you're here because if you don't do this, your wife's going to cut you loose, believe me, she'll cut you loose. Because you have to be here because you want to change and get right with God. Not you want to get right with your wife. I don't read that in the Bible. Get right with your wife and thou shalt be saved. No. If you're sincere, you watch. Things will happen. Because the devil will use all this and he's trying to come at you. But if you're sincere, the devil can't keep you down. If you're sincere, the devil can't keep you down. Acts 2.27 says, Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. See, Peter said, I want you to know the devil. You can't keep Jesus down. 
I want you to know, devil, you can't do it. From the very beginning when, when you fell, he's speaking to the devil, when you fell from heaven and you wanted to have Jesus' power and supremacy, you couldn't keep him down. Hmm? When Jesus was born, the devil tried to snuff out Jesus. Herod made an edict to kill all male children under two to kill the Savior. But God protected him and put a hedge around him. The devil led Jesus to the desert. Remember that story. He led him to the desert to be tempted. He's at the pinnacle of a mountaintop overlooking all of the known world at the time. And the devil said, simple, you can have all that. All you got to do is bow down to me. Why? Because the devil didn't want him to go through the path that would take away his power. But Jesus overcame that. Because you can't, because why? You can't keep a good man down. At this temptation, the devil tried to give Jesus a, to take a shortcut. And that's what all, all of our problems. We all want a shortcut. A shortcut to success, a shortcut to everything. Uh, you know, we, now they have tech, we want a shortcut to lose weight. Now they can freeze your weight. Freeze your weight. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to stop eating like a pig. We can freeze your weight. And it freezes and somehow, I don't know how it works. We all want a shortcut. That's our nature. Jesus said, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want a shortcut. No. See, he told Jesus, there's no need for you to suffer at the cross. You can avoid Calvary. But again, the Lord withstood that. No. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when he's sweating blood and talking to Jesus, and you have to understand, scientists have proven that, that under duress, under such pressure, the capillaries, the, the blood vessels in the forehead will pop. He's bleeding and sweating blood, asking God for another way, if there is. God told him there is no other way. This is the way. And he didn't. God said, you must die for the sins of the world. And now, Jesus comes to the cross, is beat, humiliated, dies a, cru a, 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 cru a cruel death, and he says, It's finished. So when Jesus died, Satan thought he won. The devil and all his legion thought they were going to have a party. Finally, they said, now we have control of the world. But notice what happened. While Jesus died and the devil thought he won, Peter writes about a sermon. The first Easter sermon in chapter 3, verse 18. And it says this, he suffered 1 Peter 3.18, he suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Now imagine that. There could have been millions of people. You know the story of Noah. Hundred, a century of building an ark for animals to put in there. And he's telling all the people and they laugh at him. Ha, 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 Noah, you big dummy. Building an ark. They didn't know what's ark. And Noah had this great explanation of why he was going to do it. He said, God's going to flood the earth with rain. Now, to us, things like that's a great explanation. There's only one problem. It had never rained before. And they're saying, rain? What's rain? Up to that point, the water would come from the ground. It never rained. But Noah, for 100 years, believed it was going to rain, and it never rained. So all those people who mocked Noah, Jesus is crucified and dies, and he goes down, and he has, he has his Easter 
service. Could you imagine that? Preaching to all them. Cracking jokes, maybe. I don't know. If I was out of cracking jokes, oh, so you thought it was funny, huh? You thought it was bad when those elephants were going poo-poo. You thought Noah was crazy when he was bringing all these animals into the ark. Huh? But I'm here to tell you what he was preaching was true. What he told you, that if you would repent and, get, and come into the ark, you could be saved. But you all rejected him. You thought it would never happen because it never rained. Huh? That was his sermon. The first Easter sermon in hell. Preaches to captives. Then after his sermon, he said, well, now that I'm done, I got to take care of some unfinished business. And he rises on the third day. Who? come on now. He rises. Yes. Satan was beat the last time. Listen, we're no longer in a battle because Jesus already won. You have to understand this. We're just the, the janitors. We're the cleanup crew. That's why I, when people say, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm fighting the devil. You don't have to fight the devil. He's a defeated foe. The Bible says he's under our feet. Use him to reshoe your, your, your Stacey Adams. He ain't got no place. What you give him. It's like that vampire movie. See, the vampire can't come in your house unless you let him in. The devil has no power over you unless you let him. Well, how do I let him? By rejecting Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, once you reject Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're on your own, Jack. On your own. So before my salvation, we're very spiritual people, you know, um, demonic spirit, but very spiritual. My nephew knows, my, and my mother was involved in witchcraft, and we all wore a, a medal, a medalla. And that, that medal was sent to Cuba, Manila, United States, uh, Puerto Rico to, to be prayed for by other witches. My mother got one, I had one, my brother had one, my dad had one, right? And we, we, and we wore them. Did she, did she give you one, Bobby? But my nephew gave, gave him one. We all had one. Why? Because we understood. There's, de there's demons out there. And when you're involved in spiritual witchcraft, those demons dominate. But if, they had, if I had this little emblem, they left me alone. Well, the day I got saved, come on now, I walked in and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Something happened to me. The first thing I did was take that off. I go to my mom's house. I go, I don't need this no more. She goes, no, you got to put that. I don't need this no more. Why? Because that's limited power. Now, there was just a power change. There was a, a power exchange in my life. Something happened in my life. So I am turning in limited power for all power. The Bible says that I give you all power in heaven and in earth. Now, that's what Jesus says. But you better accept the Lord as your Savior. Huh? See, Jesus is king. He's king now. He's king forever. And soon, one, and very soon, He's going to come back for a church without spot and wrinkle. Huh? Until then, never forget that in Christ, Satan has been defeated. Huh? So while, while Peter has preached this message, let's go back to uh, Acts 22, I mean 2 verse 22. And he's talking to them. And he, he said, look, you guys, let's read it. Matter of fact, let's read it. As I come in for land, I'm coming to get ready to close. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. 
When God did what God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purposes and foreknowledge. In other words, you thought you handed him over. It's not that you handed over to, uh, him over. God had set that in order. There was a plan and a purpose, and this was part of the plan. God just used you. See, we all have a plan. There's, there's a reason why we exist. I always tell people, there's a reason why your daddy chased your mama. It's not just because you're looking fine like a bottle of wine. No, no, no. He chased you because you had a purpose. That's why you're, the very fact that you're breathing in your life and you were birthed tells me that God had a plan for your life. The problem is you have to look for it. You have to be open to it. Huh? Or you could be led away like Jesus and tempted by the devil. You could, be, uh, you could die at your spiritual birth. Huh? As I close, you have a piano up here. When we look at the book of Acts, there's two reasons that the church grew in tremendous proportions. And the first one is this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Unquestionably, spirit-filled people have power. So remember, Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to die. But I'm not just not going to go away and leave you alone. That's what he said. I'm not going to leave you feeling a, a loss or feeling alone. No, 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 no. I'm going away, but I'm going to send another one like me. Huh? And he is the Holy Spirit. He will infill you. And it's this one. He will lead and guide you. It's this one that will empower you with gifts. Huh? With the ability to speak in tongues, with the ability to lay hands on the sick, they would recover. With the, with the ability to have the word of knowledge, to the, with the ability to prophesy. I'm going to send this one because you're going to be filled with power, unquestionably. Now, but here is the, the irony. The irony is we have access to, to authority and power. But when you look at believers, do we see it? Every one of you in this room have access to the power that shook the world. Every one of you in this room have, have power that causes the devil to tremble. Every one of you have that type of authority. What you got to do is believe it and stop doubting because doubt can't keep a good person down. Don't blame your circumstances. Don't blame the stone. Don't blame the devil because the devil can't keep a good person down. You just got to say, enough's enough. I'm going to access what belongs to me, what, the reason why God died, and more importantly, the reason why he was raised from the dead. You know there was a transition of power, and that power is you. You're the power. You're the authority. So we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the second thing, they had an attitude and a mindset that nothing was impossible. Nothing. Now, they had a good thing to motivate them. They had just come from the crucifixion and the resurrection. Imagine your mind if you had just seen Jesus resurrected from the dead right now. All of a, all of a sudden, you begin to think like, wait a minute. There's nothing we can't do. Huh? You, you would feel nothing's impossible. And then you cap it up with... 300 other saints of old that were raised from the dead, you begin to think like, wait a minute. There's something really going on. That's what changed Peter. From the denier 
It changed him to be that rock where the church was going to be built upon, that rock of revelation where people began to believe in this new faith of the way, this new religion called Christianity. It was so new, it wasn't even called Christianity. It was called the way. They went out into the community knowing nothing can stop them. They went out into their neighborhood knowing nothing can hold them back. They went into their job, not with the idea of just being a worker, but with an idea of taking over the place. Why? Because that belongs to me. I'm the head, not the tail. They had this other, this kind of, this confidence that is only birthed with the relationship with the Holy One of so they, they, they looked at Peter's Easter message. They were amazed at how it transformed the world. This message, it said thousands. In one meeting, 3,000 were saved. And it goes on to say at other times, and 5,000 were added. Thousands were added, not onesies, twosies, thousands. Why? Because the people that were sharing the message believed it. They believed it, no doubt. Lives were changed. Restoration ruled. And God received the glory. Amen. See, that's what I love about Easter. God receives the glory. Why? Because he deserves it. Yes. And more importantly, God is the only one who can handle the glory. We can't handle glory. If you give a man glory, their head gets big. You just pat on the back, hey, good job, thank you. As their head gets larger, God can handle the glory. That's why we gave him all the glory. I can do nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. There's no life without you. You deserve the glory. So today, as we sing this song, well, you're not up, but you got to move quicker. As we sing this song, I want you to give him glory, and I want to pray for you. The altars are open.